0: after what can only be described as a classic last week i mean do i even say the word classic the game was incredible the kansas city chiefs host the cincinnati Bengals in the afc championship this sunday and on the irish nfl show championship sunday preview special episode we're delighted to well to bring in mark first off mark you weren't in the first call but also to bring in a special guest uh, matt derrick obviously a beat writer at ChiefsDigest.com and a contributor on many of our outlets as well Matt, it's great to have you on again after the last few weeks, and also thank you very much for coming on. At what is really a, a very busy time of year. Absolutely, it's great to be with you guys again. Had a great time last time. Well, since the last time you were on, it's, it's been a bit mad. I mean, last week may have been, I think, for a neutral, never mind a fan of the Chiefs. Uh, uh, like seriously, one of the best games ever. Like you know, it was. It it had everything. How can we top it this week?
1: I I don't see how you can top that. I mean, that was one for the ages. Um, I've seen some crazy games with certainly the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the AFC Championship game with the Patriots a few years ago, um, back in 2018, was was insane. That 54-51 Rams shootout on a Monday night in Mexico was crazy. Um, I don't see how you're going to top, you know, what the Chiefs and the Bills put on the other night. I mean, that was just two quarterbacks. Um, having absolutely incredible nights. I mean, how you're gonna have two quarterbacks have a, a game like that against each other again? I mean, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes have a challenge ahead of them, but and maybe based on what we saw in the regular season, maybe they can match it. We'll see.
2: Well, I suppose one of the things that the Chiefs would be hoping for if uh to stop Burrow um kind of matching that um that that uh, game from earlier in the season is. Uh, For Chris Jones to, I suppose, replicate Jeffrey Simmons. And we talked, I think, the last time we had you on about, you know, Jones and moving, you know, back inside. But given what, um, you know, that matchup that the, the Titans had, you know, they got nine sacks. Obviously, they didn't put the points up. You would expect if the Chiefs did that. But. What do you expect the the Chiefs to do the last time they, you know, in terms of blitzing um, or, or what do you expect the, the Chiefs to do on, on defense?
1: Well, I think the conventional wisdom here is that certainly if the Chiefs look at what they did against the Bengals the last time around and certainly the success that the Titans had. Um, you can't blitz. I mean, that's what Steve Spagnuolo did against Joe Burrow last time. And it did not end well. I mean, for the most part, because, um, you know, Joe Burrow, I think it's, is one of those quarterbacks that if you give him just two and a half seconds to throw the football, he's going to just chuck it up to the Jamar chase and, and Tyler, you know, Higgins and, and TJ Boyden, these guys that can just go up and catch the football. Um, he's got the receivers to do that. I think the the Titans have shown that, you know, Burrow, if you, Force him to hold on to the football. He has a tendency to hold on to it for a little bit too long. And that off, that Bengals offensive line can't block forever. So I, I almost I would certainly expect the Chiefs to do the exact opposite this time around, which is really to rely on that front four with Chris Jones, with Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark, to try and get pressure on, on, on Burrow. And defend. I mean, you know, it might even just be borrowing some of the same coverages and some of the same defenses that teams have thrown against Patrick Mahomes this season. Um, I think you're just doing everything that you can to make sure that Burrow just, you know, can't get those one-on-one matchups with Jamar Chase and some of the other guys that they had such, such success with the last time around. Um, Matt,
3: I, I've often used a Top Gun reference or two on this show and I've used a Top Gun reference to, to refer to the NFL and actually to the Chiefs. Like, the, I have the need, the need for speed. And the Top Gun songs apply to their season. I mean, you start off the season and you've lost that love and feeling. You go through, you go through the danger zone and ultimately AFC, uh, a divisional game, I think it's a championship game, you get back to taking my breath away. Um, if we look at the Chiefs' offense... Versus that Bengals defense. And the Bengals defense played lights out against Tennessee. But you would argue a much more limited offense. The Chiefs offense, whether it's obviously the contributions they're now getting from McKinnon, from Pringle, from Robinson, and the Maverick and Goose, or however you want to play. The Goose and Iceman to Patrick Mahomes is Maverick, if you like. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey can run riot on any defense. How do you see that matchup playing? Do you think that they are going to strategically have an advantage in this dogfight
0: this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that's a great comparison. I think that, I think Patrick Mahomes would probably like that comparison, too. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that the one thing that's in this matchup that I think is, is probably the biggest challenge for the Bengals is that I think they put everything that they had into that matchup the last time. There aren't any surprises. There's nothing that I think that they can do at this point that's going to take the Chiefs by surprise. And, and particularly on the defensive side, um, they're going to have to mix up things, mix up things a little bit. Because remember, the, the Chiefs had a pretty good day offensively against the Bengals, too, on that afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, if their defense had merely just gotten a stop or two, they, they could have won that game. Um, and certainly had their way early in that matchup. So I, I think the Chiefs feel pretty good about what they're doing from an offensive standpoint. I think they feel like they certainly match up. Uh, but you know what? I don't even know if we can really draw a lot of uh, conclusions from the regular season in this Chiefs offense because they have a switch. There is something that that Patrick at a place that Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill go to. Once the postseason starts that I just don't see a lot of other players doing it. And and Mahomes in particular, I mean, you know, has he had bad stretches? You know, certainly he'll say that the first Super Bowl, he had some bad stretches against the 49ers. The entire offense, uh, the entire team had some bad stretches in that Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. But outside of that, you know, certainly in the AFC playoffs, uh, Mahomes has been unstoppable. And, you know, and, and until someone comes up and, and can prove that they can do that, I'm going to expect that Mahomes is going to be able to have this way in the playoffs, because I, I think we've almost reached a point that and I, he would never put it this way and never confess to it. And and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I, I think almost that Mahomes and this Chiefs offense has gotten to a point where they know that the season starts in January and I'm not sure that the first 18 weeks for them are, are just trying to get through you know school to the final week of the season when you finally get to put it all on the field, because I think they were bored at times during the regular season. And you see when Patrick Mahomes is focused, what he can do. And and he's been focused the last couple of weeks.
0: Yes, yeah, definitely been interesting to watch the Chiefs on the field the last few weeks. The, uh, our first guest, Matt, was a guy called uh, Mo Egger from Cincinnati ESPN Radio, and and he was. Uh, I was asking him about the current situation in Cincinnati. They're they're practicing in the stadium with the noise full pelt. Uh, for fans maybe over here, can, can you maybe describe what the atmosphere in our heads like? Because, as I said in the previous call, it just sounded, it sounded incredible last week.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, and Arrowhead Stadium has a reputation for being the loudest stadium in in the NFL. Certainly, they have the the Guinness Book of World Records as being the loudest stadium, and and part of it, honestly, is is just the acoustics of the stadium. I mean, you talk a lot about college stadiums here in the United States um, can have stadiums with a hundred thousand people in it, and Arrowhead obviously doesn't have that. It's you know in the mid '70s. Um, But, you know, whereas a lot of those college stadiums are kind of flat and spread out, um, Arrowhead is, you know, nine stories tall. I mean, it kind of goes straight up. So that sound has absolutely nowhere to go but down onto the field. And I think that's certainly one factor that makes a difference. I mean, the other thing is that um, Kansas City fans obviously take their their football and their partying seriously. So um, I'm sure you've heard over there about you know the tailgating and everything that goes into it. I mean, you know, for Chiefs fans. It's an all-day affair so for a for a two o'clock kick they're gonna start partying at six o'clock in the morning and not stop so you know they, they 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 do take it seriously and I've had a chance you know to go around some a lot of other NFL stadiums and it's not that you know other teams don't have dedicated fans but in uh, Kansas City football is king and that's the the one thing that that they really later later had on is being able to make noise during game day
2: Yeah, the nine stories, though, Matt, uh, I think uh, Jordan Love's mother knows all about those. Um, But in in terms of noise, we've been fortunate. We had um, Mike Wall, the former Packer, on here, and he said that Arrowhead was the, the loudest stadium away stadium he'd been to we had Lawrence Tynes who talked about um the the noise at Arrowhead so even you know um er- everyone who's played elsewhere talks about it but just to take you back he spoke to us a little bit about Mahomes and the playoffs but um there's been a-, a clip going around this week of Travis Kelsey and Kelsey kind of talking on uh just before the the 13 seconds and, and what he needed to do and Patrick kind of saying Go, go, Kelsey, just do your thing. We've, we've heard that before. Like earlier in the season, Kelsey had kind of talked about, you know, I just get into my and, and Patrick tells me, go find space. I find space and he'll find me. And people kind of initially maybe dismiss that a little bit. Yeah, that's just Kelsey kind of talking. But then we see evidence of it the, the other night. And I mean, we had... Um, The Lakewood Police Department even tweeting today kind of saying, urging drivers to give as much space as the Bills defense gave to Kelsey. Can you just talk to us about uh, Travis and in terms of who, what he becomes and how important he is to this, uh, this team?
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's something that probably gets overlooked quite a bit is you know just how much did Travis Kelsey has grown and matured over the years. Because uh, you know, yeah, what you saw in that clip, that's not what Travis Kelsey would have been doing five or six years ago. And uh, and maybe some of that is, is the relationship. He he and Patrick certainly have a different relationship than than he and Alex Smith had. Um, not that there was anything wrong with Alex Smith, but I think that you know Mahomes and Kelsey. Um, they have a, a, a camaraderie off the field too. I mean, it's hard to to see a any any major sporting event in the United States that. Patrick Mahomes has not taken Travis Kelsey too. They were at, you know, the, the national college you know, basketball championships. They've been at national college football championships. They're going to NHL games. They're going to NBA games together anywhere. I mean, and, you know, and then once again, I mean, I, that just goes to the friendship that they have off the field and, and it certainly translates on, I mean, and, and the fact that, you know, Andy Reid has encouraged that, too, because he sets the tone for these guys to be able to speak their minds and to come up with their own ideas and to give their own input. And like I said, I mean, this is a, yeah, I, I think that's something that from not just a maturity standpoint, but from a even a football IQ standpoint, I, I'm not sure that Travis Kelsey does five years ago. Uh, but now those guys are, are just on a page where they can do that. It doesn't always work. We've seen it, you know, that there have been times when they do freelance a little bit and they miss connections. But then again, I mean, it comes back to that when the lights are on, the, these guys seem to take their focus to another level. And I think you saw that in those 13 seconds. Matt, um, I actually,
3: I think you mentioned the Guinness Book of Records for Arrowhead. I think that was the 42-14 game against the Patriots, if I remember rightly. So they are plenty to cheer That's correct. Yeah. Um, So they're fair play to the Chiefs that day, obviously. And, and the atmosphere in Arrowhead must be amazing. And look, I know the National Football League sometimes stands for not for long. And we want to look forward. We always want to look to the future. The next thing, obviously in this instance, the next game, which happens to be the AFC Championship game. And it feels bad to keep bringing you back to last week. But we are talking about one of the greatest games in NFL history. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. And just coming back to that 13 seconds, and we've heard the lines, you know, Andy Reid's Patrick Mahomes, when things are grim, be the Grim Reaper. And he only took 13 seconds to steal 53 people's souls on that field. But I have to ask you, around the press box, looking down on the field, looking down the players there, because you're in that atmosphere, it's dead. Like, I mean, people are not quite giving up on the team, but Bill's score with 13 seconds to go, it looks pretty damn grim to take Andy Reid's line. What, just kind of explain to us what was going on. I mean, what was there? general, oh, yeah, it's done now. Like, I mean, was there a giving up in sense of the fans or the press or or did you see some of that on the sidelines? Or what really did you notice in that moment as it was happening? Like,
1: yeah, and, and the press box, You know, is a very unusual environment to watch a game because it's, you know, technically a professional environment. So you're even told no cheering in the press box. And and that's even despite the fact that, you know, there are team employees from both teams that are in the press box and they try to follow that, too. But, you know, certainly you get a big play, you know, in those last few seconds and you can hear um, you know, it, whether it's hands pounding on desks in the front of them, you know, you can hear the Cincinnati, you know, personnel and the chief's personnel and, the, you know, other parts of the press box uh, getting excited. But, you know, in, the, in our section, you know, with the reporters, um, it, there's a lot of just uh, uh, exclamations. <laughs> there's probably I probably took the Lord's vein and name a couple of times. Um, you know, and that's, you know, because that's, that's, like I said, you're not supposed to cheer and nobody really is, but at the same time, you see these dramatic plays and it's just, what did I just see? And, you know, and and those types of exclamations. So there was certainly a little bit of noise. Like I said, there's not whooping and hollering or cheering. It's more of the,
2: what? Wow.
1: (laughs) And, and honestly, when Mahomes releases some of his throws, sometimes it's even just laughter. Um, at what we just saw, uh, but you're right, you know, with 13 seconds left, it was pretty quiet. But then again, at the same time, you know, those of us who have seen the Chiefs pull off some of these crazy comebacks before were sitting there and saying, Okay, well, I mean, they got two time, they got three timeouts left, they got a chance. I mean, they probably need to get to the 40 yard line. I mean, can they do that? And then when we saw the Buffalo defense, it was like, They might be able to get to the 40 here. Um, So, I mean, with 13 seconds left, I should have absolutely been saying, there's no way the Chiefs are going to do this. But there was just that little, just something tagging, you you know, just kind of tugging me in my mind. I think they might be able to get in position to get a field goal to tie this. And look what happened.
0: Just history like and you're talking about the press box there Um, for anyone watching this it isn't the word like for example the press box we were in in tottenham was outside it was like literally in this it was obviously a pre-made but it was in the stands and it was a little bit crazy and you're completely right like when you're in a press box in the states that the silence is just sometimes when there's something serious happening it's very very hard to maybe console yourself so it's i can completely understand that and one thing i wanted to talk about just to final round of questions here right quickly matt before we uh Round up this AFC Championship preview. Um, Harrison Butker, was on our show, I think, guys. What July, August? Great guy. had played in Dublin before as well. And he was he was very very good, to, good, good, good to speak to us. And um, he missed two kicks last week, and then came back at the end of that game and done that. I mean, you're talking uh, like complete clutch situations, Matt. That was to actually do that when you know the whole country, never mind a, lo- a lot of people around the world are watching you. Was uh, a fantastic comeback for him. Yeah, it really was, and and I'm not sure I've ever seen a a kicker with
1: just uh, the sa- the kind of mentality that, that Harrison Butker does because I think it was would be very easy for a kicker to kind of get in get into his head, especially after two kicks and to doubt himself. Uh, Harrison Butker is never going to doubt himself. That is the most self confident kicker that I've ever seen in my entire life, um, and he's he's surprised anytime that he makes a kick because he's just that confident it's going to go in. And and the Chiefs were certainly confident. I mean, they had they had no worries. I mean, you know, hey, kickers miss extra points. Things like that happen. And uh, and even though there it wasn't particularly you know windy or anything of that, it was very cold at Arrowhead. And it, won't, it will actually it will probably be warmer this weekend than than it was last weekend. And you could certainly even tell during warmups that, you know, he just didn't have quite the leg that he usually has. You know, in warmups, he'd hit from 56 and um, normally he would at least try something from 60 or beyond. And he didn't even try that during you know pregame. So you knew that there would be a little bit of a, you know, less of a distance there. So um, I, I think he kind of took it in stride to miss, you know, he kind of realized that, hey, you know, I mean, they making an adjustment on the next kick. Um, and that that's what he does. I mean, we've often seen it. I mean, you know, Harrison Butker has has missed some kicks from time to time. Not many. I mean, he's still one of the most accurate kickers in the league statistically. But when the game's on the line, there's uh, just like Mahomes. I mean, there's ice water in his veins and I've I haven't seen him miss a big kick like that yet.
2: Matt, I'm sure Mark is going to get your game pick, but given the day that's in it with the Broncos appointing a new head coach and all the talk about the Raiders. The Chiefs have been sitting atop the AFC West for six years, I think, which is the longest stretch as, as a winner, I think, that's existed in the division. Broncos have won five previously. Uh, other teams have done that, but the, the Chiefs have been down it for so long. Um, it, I, I know where you're focusing on, on this weekend and, and this season. But do you do you think there might like looking around? What your chief's had on? I'm, I'm just interested. Are you? Do you think it's a smart move that the Broncos have made if Joshua Daniels was to come come into the the Raiders? Do you see them being more competitive? Just your thoughts on the AFC West?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think Nathaniel Hackett in Denver could be a really good hire. Um, he he grew up for a little bit in Kansas City, so you know he's very familiar with obviously the rivalry. Um, his, his dad was a, a very good offensive coordinator and a very good offensive coach and and obviously i think nathaniel has really proven himself if if he is the prelude to aaron Rodgers going to denver which a lot of people are connecting those dots right now um that would just make the afc west even crazier i mean you could get into it if you if you got if you told me that Derek carr was going to be by far the fourth best quarterback in the afc west and it wasn't going to be a battle I mean that speaks a lot right there because I mean Derek Carr, you know, he deserves a lot more credit than he probably gets for the for the what numbers that he puts up. I, Josh McDaniels, I don't know. I wasn't terribly impressed the last time around. And the Patriot way doesn't always work out other places. It doesn't some, but not everywhere. Um, not sure how that would work out in, in Vegas and with the Raiders. So um, if they to who they end up with, I get a sense that that's probably not who they wished that they were getting. Uh, I think that there were probably I think there were some bigger names that their that their fans were really hoping for. Um, but hey, I think it just goes to show you that, you know, that everybody in the AFC West realizes what they what they're up to and the challenge that they're up to and that they've got to think a little bit differently and, you know, and that they probably have to think offense if they want to catch up with Kansas City well we look forward to those potential scenarios next year i mean
3: who knows yeah aaron Rodgers could be scapegoating his teammates in the afc instead of the nfc for a change which will make a nice difference um matt we've actually oh i was just thinking we've actually been lucky to have quite a few chiefs past and present on the show in the last while we've had Lawrence Tynes, scott pioli we had brendan daly earlier in the season i kind of at the time it was the when the defense wasn't performing it was like well He's pretty laid back and relaxed, and maybe it's going to work out as it always tends to do in the Chiefs season. But I always bring to mind, especially the way the Chiefs season worked, the expression from Hemingway that, or the line from Hemingway the night is always darkest before the dawn. And if anyone that applies to more than anything, I would say it's not necessarily the Chiefs, it's the Bengals. I mean, let's face it, they've had 31 years of darkness before this year's playoffs. I'm going to ask you a two-fold question. Number one is about your pick for the game. But before we get to the pick, make the case. Play poacher turn, gamekeeper Make the case for the Bengals, why they can break the dorm and they can do, defeat what seems to be an indomitable opponent this weekend.
1: You know, I, I, I kind of asked that same question in kind of a different way to Zach Taylor earlier today. It was basically, you know that this is such a young team that he has and and an inexperienced team, you know, could that be a benefit going up against the chiefs that have such tremendous experience that, Maybe the Bengals don't know enough to be afraid and be intimidated by the Chiefs because of the way that they have just kind of snuck in here and gotten on this run. There's, there hasn't been a whole lot of time to build up, and so maybe you know, there, maybe there's a little bit to the fact that they're on a big stage, but they get there so quickly that they don't have time to be afraid or be scared. And, you know, and, and Zach pointed out, you know, and I think rightfully so, that, hey, he's got some big time playoff experience. They've brought in some veterans who's had some big time playoff experience that they purposely brought in guys like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase that have big time college postseason experience and championship experience. So there's a, I, I don't think that the bright lights are going to to scare the Bengals. And that's, I think, the big part of it is that you just can't come into Arrowhead and be intimidated. You've got to be able to come in and, and play immediately. And, and I think that, you know, whether it is that past experience or, like I said, whether it's just that they're they're inexperienced enough not to be afraid, that could be a big factor. I mean, if they're not intimidated on Sunday and they can come in and don't make mistakes, I think you're still going to have to force the Chiefs to make mistakes. Um, if, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't turn over the football, if the Chiefs don't p- commit some penalties – I don't I don't know how you can beat them. I mean, I I think that they've shown that when they play their A plus game, I, I don't think that your A plus game can keep up. You probably have to make sure that the, the Chiefs play, you know, below their expectations. So I, I mean I, the Bengals could play a perfect game and pull off the win. I, I think they would need some help to do that. Uh, but I, I think they're equipped to to come in and give the Chiefs a fight. I mean, I don't think this is gonna be a, a rollover at all. I mean, I think they're they're more than prepared to come in here and make this a good game.
0: Matt, we've really appreciated speaking to you both in the last few weeks and tonight ahead of the AFC Championship. Who knows? Maybe we could uh, be saying hello in Los Angeles in a few weeks. I don't know what's going on, you know, but uh, fantastic to speak to you again uh, at Matt Derrick. That's with two R's D-E-R-R-I-C-K on Twitter. Matt, thank you so much for coming on, man. Enjoy the game on Sunday and uh, speak to you soon.
1: I appreciate it. Uh, I wish the best of all. I got a great response from the last time I joined you guys. So it's, it's, oh, it's a blast. I'll be glad to do it again. Take care.